We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 28. I just want to share with you a word of uh, exhortation regarding missions. I don't know if you guys have a heart for missions, a passion for missions. Do you? Do you pray for missionaries? Do you adopt missionaries? Are you a missionary? You know, we should have a passion for missions after all. I think it was Keith Green who said that this generation of Christians on earth is responsible for this generation of souls on earth. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You know, when I think of missions, I simply think of the mission we have as Christians to share the gospel. And I think it's important for us to know that God wants everyone to hear the gospel because God wants everyone to be saved. According to 2 Peter 3.9, and the, the means of that taking place is the proclamation and the preaching of the gospel. Because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation that leads to salvation. And we read that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And so here in Matthew 28, we have a staple scripture. Look what it says in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, you read this, we call the Great Commission. You have uh, the parallel passages in Luke 24, 47, as well as Mark 16, 15. And, and what we see in our text today is interesting in that the word all is mentioned a, a few times. Notice in verse 18 again, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why would Jesus say that at this point? Is it just uh, for information? I just want you to know that I have all authority. Maybe. I mean, there's some theology to it. But I think that primarily the reason Jesus mentions that is because uh, of another all in, in, a, in, a, in a sense. All authority has been given to him. And he is with us always. That's something to remember when you consider the Great Commission. That's why I think of conquering a nation in the name of Jesus Christ, not through violence, but through love, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's doable. It's doable. Why? Because all authority has been given to him, and he is with us always. So I love the word all. I think it's important for us to know that about Jesus and, and there's another word, all, here it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. You know, that's, that's, that's everyone. I love when you read the book of Revelation. It speaks about people from every tribe and tongue and, and nation. They're, they're there worshiping God. 
You know, this is God's heart. This is God's desire. All authority has been given to him, and he's always with us. He wants us to go to all the nations. And notice it says right here, uh, and, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing the name in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's not just a verbal declaration when they get baptized. That's teaching them all about God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he says right there, and, and verse 20, teaching them to observe, there's the word all again, all things that I have commanded you. That's what Joshua's doing. That, that's what Katie's doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Teaching, teaching, teaching them all things. Genesis to Revelation, teaching them all things. You see, and this is the simplicity of the gospel. In one sense, it's like this, and I, and I love it when you read through the book of Acts. You go and you make disciples. Then Paul would go back to the churches and strengthen the disciples. So then they can go out and make more disciples. That's all it is. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a, a pupil, a student, a learner of the Lord. And so, you know, God wants us to preach the gospel to everyone because he wants everyone to be saved. And let me just share this with you guys. Missions begins with our immediate family. Your immediate family. Have uh, my spouse and my children heard the gospel, seen the gospel with clarity and love? Have they, my husband, my wife, my children, have they embraced the gospel? You know, missions obviously begins there. There are some people who go out and their, their kids aren't saved. They're not even really obedient in that area. I'm not saying that, you know, it's up to you whether or not they get saved. I'm just saying it is up to you whether or not they've heard it and they've seen it with clarity and love. So it begins with our family, but then it moves on to our community where God in his sovereignty has planted me. You're not here by accident. You weren't born where you were born. You don't live where you live randomly. God has placed you there. And, and so it, it begins with our family, but then it moves on to our, our community and, and his sovereignty Maybe in your workplace, where you work, or your sphere of influence, you know, some type of group that you're part of, that God puts you there to shine as a light. Have you been sharing the gospel? Have you been living the gospel so you can share the gospel? Like, you know, when they bring the medicine, that's just, it's not a, 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 an end to itself, it's a means to an end. I want to live the gospel so I can share the gospel. And so missions begins in family, but it's more than a family. Then it becomes a local responsibility, and it goes far beyond the few within our borders. It goes then out beyond our borders. It's a global calling for the Christian church to go into all the world and into all the nations. And like Cambodia, um, I encourage you, you know, pray about going. You might fall in love with the people. You might end up staying. You're like, therefore, I'm not going to go, right? What if what happened to her happened to me? I was talking to one young guy, and he's really got no strings attached. I'm like, man, what's holding you back? You see, it's a calling. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, when I think of Cambodia, I think of other nations, and we're going to talk a little bit about how many, 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 many people have not heard the name of Jesus 
is amazing to me. I, I don't want you to misunderstand the following statement because I believe that we have a ton of evangelizing to do locally, that there are many people in Almani and the surrounding areas that have not heard the gospel in simplicity from someone who really cares about them in sincerity. And so, you know, they are our responsibility, but here's the bottom line. In all reality, right, that the likelihood of someone hearing the gospel in our country is far greater than the likelihood of someone in Cambodia hearing the gospel, where there are no Bibles, perhaps, in those places, where there's no Bible in their language, no church in their village, and no Christian in their presence. And so, yes, we have to preach the gospel here in Almaty, and there are some people who are they're against global mission. No, we got to take care of home. No, we need both. And we need to be willing to go, and we need to be willing to send. And it's for that reason that God, and I believe when I see Joshua and Katie, I see a lot of obedience, but I see more sovereignty than I do obedience. I see God took them, and God is on the throne. And this is why he sent them to a place so far, far away. This is why Hudson Taylor felt called to China. In 1854, at the age of 22 years old, think about that. This is what he said. He said, I have but one candle of life to burn. I would rather burn it out where people are dying in darkness than in a land that's flooded with light. See, Taylor was well aware of the need in that dark land. And he was, if you guys know a little bit about Hudson Taylor, the founder of China Inland Missions, it's now called the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. He spent 51 years in China, and the society he began was responsible for bringing, think about this, over 800 missionaries to the country. That He began 125 schools, and it directly resulted, this is directly, not just indirectly, directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions, as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations of work with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. And I know there are many others that labored in the Lord there in China, but it's phenomenal to think that um, there are so many believers in China today. Some estimate, we're not sure, but some estimate close to 200 million Christians in China now, perhaps sparked by a man named Hudson Taylor, who said, if I had 10,000 lives, I'd give them all for China. God gave him that heart. And so God used him in a mighty way, so much so that one person said, no other missionary in the 19th centuries since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematized plan of evangelizing a broad geographical area than Hudson Taylor. You see, the world needs people like Hudson Taylor because Hudson Taylor was like Jesus and the world needs Jesus and so what I want to share with you guys is it begins locally and then it spreads steadily and in our hearts there is always to be that place globally where we as a church go obediently. If you go over to Acts chapter 1, here's a, a passage that I'm sure you're familiar with as well. These are staple scriptures, but Jesus said in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, it's interesting here, the Lord is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he came in Acts chapter 2. He's available for us today. We have to be emptied of self and filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be walking not in dependence upon our own righteousness, but in dependence upon him. And then we're filled and we're flooded with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's then that it's interesting to me, Jesus says, you'll be witnesses to me. Not for me, you'll be witnesses to me. In other words, Jesus is watching whether or not you're working. You'll be witnesses to me, he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't know if you guys knew this. A lot of people, you know, um, aren't aware of the fact that there's a lot of people on planet earth that have never heard the name of Jesus. You guys know there's close to 7 billion people on our planet. There are 7,000 unreached people groups. And that means places where there is no Christian church or a Bible in their language. 7,000 unreached people groups. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, I didn't know that. 2.7 billion people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about 38% of the world's four out of 10. And so a lot of times I know it's cool. We got to talk about the second coming of Jesus. But I think it's important for us to know that there are four out of 10 people who have never heard of the first coming of Jesus. We have to have a mission's heart. If the church was obedient, if the church was obedient, everyone would have heard by now. But the church has not been obedient to the Great Commission. From what I understand, there's 108 deaths per minute on planet Earth. 108 people slipping into eternity every single minute. That's 155,000 souls that enter into eternity every single day. Which way are they going? Do you guys ever think about that? I believe it's a very low percentage that know the Lord because so many have never heard. And while I don't dare to doubt that we don't, to a certain extent, care as Christians... I'm afraid that in the back of our minds, we're too busy with our own lives. Places to go, people to see, things to do that have nothing to do with the gospel. And I think we need to really examine our life. I think everything that we do, everything that we do with every day that we have should be brought under the submission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if it doesn't have anything to do with the gospel, then chances are it probably doesn't have anything to do with God. I know it's a radical surrender, but he died on a cross. God came and died on a cross so that people would be saved. Now, some people believe, well, yeah, they don't know the Lord. And the kind of, I think, in the subconscious mentality of our heart, we're thinking, and that's their problem. Well, it might not just be their problem. It might also be your problem. You read Ezekiel 3. You read Ezekiel 33. And it says that if we don't warn them, then the blood is on our hands. See? And it's interesting. Ezekiel 3, it says in verse 18, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, no speak to them, 
the, to warn the wicked from his way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. God said. One version, the NIV says, I will hold you accountable for his blood. Another version says, I will hold you responsible, demanding your blood for theirs. So it might not just be their problem. It might also be our problem. I just want to encourage you guys to fall in love with the Lord, you know. I, I think what ends up happening, and it was kind of cool hearing Joshua and Katie talking, you know, I fell in love with God, I fell in love with Samuel, I fell in love with Joshua or whatever, you know, I fell in love with Katie. I mean, it's just, it's about love. It's about, you know, just knowing um, the love of God and not getting caught up in our own agenda. Now, just in case you're wondering, you're saying, so Manny, I need to sell my house and go to Cambodia? Yes. No, I'm just joking. I'm not saying that. You know, not everyone's called to cross-cultural missions or long-term missions, but uh, I want you guys to know this, and I want this to be so clear. We are all called to missions. I believe locally, steadily outwards, and I believe also globally. I believe us as Americans especially. You know, it might be a personal witness to someone in your family. It might be an outreach to the community. It might be a missions trip to Mexico or Cambodia. We're going in June. Or for some, it might even be a long-term calling to a country, maybe in the 1040 window. The key is this. Just open your heart. Open up. Look up. We're all called. The only question is how we are called. Um, another very important passage is found over in the book of Romans, chapter 10, if you would turn there. It says in verse 12, uh, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. I love this verse. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And maybe there's someone here today who doesn't know the Lord. You're not a Christian. You know, and you're, you keep, you know, slamming your head that brick wall over and over and over again. You can't break the chains of addiction. Something's happening in your marriage, maybe with your kids, your body, your life. Because without Jesus, we will naturally digress. But I want to tell you here today that there is freedom and forgiveness and love and the power of God available. And all he's waiting for you to do is to call on his name. He loves you. He died for you. If you call on his name, then you will be saved. It's not a religion. You don't have to jump through hoops. It's not by your works. It's what he did on the cross. He died for you. And he rose again the third day. And all you have to do is believe in Christ. Repent of your sins. Receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life. You call on his name today and you will be saved. That's the gospel. It's so beautiful. And that's what he says right here. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you guys get to hear it in churches here in America, but we also need to go out, right? So he says, well, then how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, I firmly believe that we should all embrace two things. Number one, the fact that we are sent, all of us here, where, Almani, your workplace, your family, we're all sent. But I firmly also believe that we should all embrace the fact that we are senders. All of us here. And so, not this time where, but in one sense, who? Who are you sending? Well, I don't know, Manny. I, I put $5 in the little basket when it goes by, and the church takes care of it from there. Well, I'm not saying you have to give more financially. Maybe you should. Maybe it, you know, there should be a little less vanilla lattes. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But, you know, $5 a month. If everybody here gave $5 a month, we could change the world. Well, I'll take it from Peter and I'll give it to Paul. I'll take it from my offering that I give to the church and I'll give it to missions. That, that's not an offering. That's not a sacrifice. But you have to get with the Lord. And he'll show you the divine details for your life. We're all sent. The question is where. And we're all senders. The question is who. Who has God put on your heart? Who are you praying for? Every day. Because every day they need your prayers. Who are you sending? Who are we sending? That's missions. You know, it's so cool, as you read earlier, that we're not in this alone. We're not in this, Jesus said, because I'm with you always. So there's that great commission. We're not in this alone when we're sent. And we're not even in, in this alone as senders. Uh, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. Sender, who really sent you? Jesus. But we're co-senders, right? That's what we do. And what we need to do as a church. Uh, have you guys ever heard that saying? The church must send or the church will end. It's true. We got to be sending people out, right? One person said this, the true greatness of any church is not how many it seats, but how many it sends. I like what John Piper said. He said, go, send, or disobey. And that's where we need to be. You know what? Let me close you guys by just saying a couple of things. Um, you know, God is always working. And God has his way of getting the gospel out. And in one sense, it's not dependent upon us. I believe that when we're in heaven, I don't think there's going to be anyone missing. But the question is, will we be privileged and blessed and even rewarded having been a part of it? Or will we live our lives for ourselves so that when our lives ends, we'll have a whole lot of regrets because we did not live for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I know that the Lord has his way of getting the gospel out and one of the ways he did it was through hard persecution when the church was there having a fine dandy time just hanging out together. And the Lord said, well, let me scatter you guys out because you got to go out there and you got to tell us about Jesus. And so persecution came. And so the Lord has his way. I believe, number one, through hard persecution, 
And but then the last thing, and I want to close with this over in Acts chapter 13, is through what I would call healthy execution. Healthy execution. And we read in Acts 13, now in the church that was at Antioch, uh, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Samian, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, a Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And and we don't have time to, to get into it too much, but I will say this, that this was in one sense the beginning of global evangelization, the the beginning of missions. And what was going on at the church in Antioch? It was a real healthy church, and they were teaching, they were teaching, they were teaching. And he was teaching, and he was teaching, and he was teaching, and they were growing, and they were getting fed, and they were getting healthy, and they were getting holy, and they were falling in love with the Lord. They were in a good church. They were being taught the word of God. But then as they're fasting... And as they're praying, the Holy Spirit, he makes it happen. He says, separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work of the ministry. And then what happens? Antioch ended up being a launching pad. And they sent Paul out and Barnabas. And, you know, the second time around, they had two teams going in different directions because of the humanness of men. And then... The first missionary journey was two years. The second one was three years. The third one was four years. And it would just go farther and farther. And then eventually God had to arrest Paul in Jerusalem and send him even farther to take him to Rome. And the gospel then went to Spain because God loves the whole wide world. My, uh, My concern is that a lot of times we're just so caught up in our own life and in our own kingdom and we're building our own kingdom and God says no you're supposed to be building my kingdom that's why we have to bring everything into submission to him be open to be sent and be open to send not in a disconnected way but in a very intimate and personal way and this, is, uh, and this is where I'll close today, is I believe, I just really honestly believe, I'm not an ascetic, you guys know me, um, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, um, but I just believe that um, God's calling us to fast as a church. I, uh, I've been eating a lot lately, and so there's a time for feasting, Amen. Most of uh, the Jewish uh, holidays were feast days. So I know God's got nothing against feasting. So there's a time for feasting, but wouldn't you say there's a time for fasting? 
And I believe that it has to be something that God leads every individual in. It, 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 otherwise, it's going to be horrible, and it won't be. It will be ineffective, and you're going to feel, you know, some burden that some guy gave you, you know. And that's not what what we want. But every once in a while, a real good book on fasting is by Arthur Wallace. It's called God's Chosen Fast. It's a great book. And and anyways, he just talks about how there were many times in the scriptures where there would be like a public fast, where they're the leader, the king, whoever it was, he would call the, the people to fast together. And so this is what I'm going to just share with you guys, because I see it right here that they fasted and prayed. They fasted and sent them out. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the first time that fasting is explicitly mentioned in the Bible, uh, it doesn't mean it's the first time someone fasted. We know Moses fasted. But the first time it's explicitly mentioned in the Bible is over in the book of Judges, chapter 20. And I'm going to tell you the story real quick. This is what happened. Okay, one day a Levite uh, went and got his concubine who had run away from him, and he was taking her home. Okay, on his way home, he stops at a Benjamite city, and the guy offers him shelter there. So this Levi and the uh, concubine, they go into this guy's house. And then, next thing you know, there's a knock at the door. It's probably much more than a knock. There's pounding at the door. Because the men of the city, they want to know the man carnally. It was perversity. It was homosexuality. And so what ends up happening? They're like, no, no, we can't have this. You know, we're, we're Jews. We can't have this. And so the guy, he gives them the concubine, and they rape her. They abuse her all night long. The next day, the Levite gets ready to go, and there's this concubine there, and he just hey, get up. She doesn't really get up. He puts her on the horse. She dies. And so what does he do? He goes home. And you know what he does? He cuts her up into pieces. And he sends you know, a piece to this tribe and a piece of her body to that tribe and a piece of her body to that tribe. Next thing you know, the whole nation is like in an uproar. The whole nation is in an uproar. What is this? We've never seen anything like this. And they come to, to the Levite, and they gather together, and he says, well, this is what's happened. There's perversity in, in Benjamin. There's homosexuality in Gibeah. And so you know what they do? They say, hey, bring the guys out. We need to bring this to justice. The Benjamites say no. So what do they do? They muster up a war. And so you got the whole nation of Israel going against the one tribe of Benjamin. The first time the whole nation goes and attacks, it's crazy. 22,000 Israelites die. You're like, wait a minute, they're outnumbered, you know, 10 to 1. And so they ask the Lord, well, should we go back? And God says, go ahead. And they attack the Benjamites again, and this time 18,000 Israelites die. In other words... They can't defeat the darkness. And so you know what they did? They fasted. They fasted. That's the first time that fasting is explicitly mentioned in the Bible. 
They fasted. And they offered peace offerings and burn offerings. That's a, a burn offering is symbolic of sacrifice, giving yourself completely to God. A peace offering is in, is in symbolic of fellowship with God. And, and, then they, and then they got the victory. And I just know that in our country, in our church, in our families, that there's these enemies they're not going to be defeated with your casual Christianity. And you're not going to find God the way that you've been seeking him half-heartedly. What does the Bible say? You'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So what the Lord laid on my heart is, wow. Then I just started going through the Bible and just seeing all the different places that fasting is mentioned. Prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. Not in a legalistic way, not in an ascetic way. You go with the Lord, and it may not be for you, but if it is something the Lord's laying on your heart, because there's just something about knowing that we're doing this together that sometimes it makes it a little easier. One meal a day for the whole month of January, you know? Well, let's just say January aside and say, okay, Lord, the new year's coming, and and I just, uh, I want to take this month and I want to seek you. And so maybe, you know, you'll fast breakfast this day, lunch, dinner. Um, maybe it'll be your phone. I, I know it's not the same, but for some of you guys here, maybe that would be beneficial or, or, or television or something. You know, you get with the Lord and you ask him for the divine details. And then uh, we're going to pick one Thursday of the month where we're going to fast the whole day. And, and even go to bed hungry that night. Um, and just in simplicity, hopefully, you know, in sincerity, Lord, asking him, you know, to just show himself strong. And during those times where you're supposed to be eating, maybe spending some time in the word, but especially praying. And, and if the Lord leads you to do that, I'm actually going to ask you guys to do this, to grab one of these cards right there in your, in your seat. And just put your name on there. Put your email if you have one. And we're going to be sending you e emails every once in a while. Um, it, it, I think it does a couple of things. Number one, it, it makes you accountable. Like, So we're going to have the pastors send out emails. Say, how you doing? Praying for you. What are you fasting? What are you praying for? You know, things like that. Sending out the different scriptures. Because number one, it keeps you accountable, but number two, I think it will keep you encouraged. And, and for us to know as a congregation that we're doing this together, uh, at least somebody is. Some of us are. It, you know what? I think it helps. And especially now that Joshua and Katie are going back to Cambodia. Especially now as we start a new year. I think it's a great time for, for prayer and fasting. And so let me close with this one poem. This is what it says. It says, Last night I took a journey to a land far across the seas. I didn't go by boat or plane. I trusted on my knees. I saw so many people there in deepest depths of sin. And Jesus told me I should go, that there were souls to win. But I said, Jesus, I, I can't go and work with such as these. He answered quickly, yes, you can, by traveling on your knees. 
He said, you pray, I'll meet the need. You call and I will hear. Be concerned about lost souls of those both far and those near. And so I tried it, knelt in prayer, and gave up some hours of ease. I felt the Lord right by my side while traveling on my knees. As I prayed on and saw souls saved and twisted bodies healed, I saw God's workers' strength renewed while laboring on the field. I said, yes, Lord, I have a job. My desire, thy will to please. I can go and heed thy call by traveling on my knees. And Lord, I just come to you today thanking you so much for your willingness to be a missionary and come and, and save us and save me. And Lord, I just pray that something in the study today will have made sense to hearts here that we have an obligation, we have a privilege. We are so blessed to be able to bear the gospel with boldness. And so, Lord, I pray that you stir up your church. Lord, I pray that we would know that we, we are sent and, and we are senders. I pray that we be given a heart to, to give. And, Lord, I pray that you would just, by your Holy Spirit, lead your people as to, to whether or not you would want them to fast and pray. But, Lord, let it be you. Lord, I just pray that however direction you lead us in, one thing would be our common denominator in our heart, and that is that we would seek you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us, Lord, to be able to have your word and just to know that you're with us always, Lord, even today, even here, even now even to the end of the age. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here who's struggling, anyone here who's going through difficulties, us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to them, encourage them, bless them. Lord, that this doesn't um, have to be a, Lord, a time where we walk away in any way defeated. But just know that you can take, Lord, everything that's happened in our life and you can turn it around for good. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your love. Bless your people when I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-454. 3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.